Swing and a drive. Right field and deep. Back goes Aquino. It's got a chance. Gone. Get out the tape measure. Long gone. Fly the W. Cubs fans, it's time to fly the W with Dustin Rhodes and Paul Crawley-Jean. You are listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. This is season two. It's episode 76, Jed Hoyer's 2023 Cubs autopsy. Don't forget to listen, download, review, most importantly, subscribe to the podcast. Follow us on the socials, Fly the W670 on Twitter, Instagram. Of course, we're on Facebook. Or email us at flythew670 at gmail.com. Crawley, happy Thursday. You know, the Bears are playing later tonight, right? No, I did not know that. Um, but uh, <laughs> go Bears. Hopefully they win. Uh, I, I, they, I got I got a lot of – I got Arizona Fall League Baseball, which we'll be talking about next week. I, I got a lot of things going on here. I, well, one I, of the uh, jokes, Crawley, was who <laughs> would win more games in October, the Cubs or the Bears? Oh, that, that, see, you know, I just, I, you know, when you look at it, it's, it's, uh, when I give, when you give so much of yourself to one team, it's hard. I couldn't do it again. I can't do that all year, man. I got to sit there and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm now looking at free agents. I'm looking at budgets. I'm looking at all sorts of things to try to figure out how the Cubs can get to the promised land in 2024. And that's the good thing about the end of the season is you get to hear from the president or the owner of the Cubs, the in, owner uh, first, Tom right? Ricketts, yeah. mm-hmm. and the uh, and then you know and and the president of baseball ops, Jed Hoyer. We got to hear from both of them, and so I think it, it gives you a little bit of roadmap. And what you try to do in these kind of situations is read the tea leaves. You can you you, you know you and I talked earlier. You can pick out certain talking points that they kind of both you know were discussed, and, and and try to get a general idea here. And there there were certain things that were said that definitely. Uh, had me perking my head up a little bit, but uh, like, you know, there's never going to be a big bombshell, you know, but, but there are things that you want to kind of look into and listen to and and try to get a general idea of what direction they're going to be heading. Absolutely. So let's first get into, now this is going to be from Sunday off a marquee Ricketts in the booth, correct? Yeah. Tom spent uh, some time with reporter uh, with reporters and also with uh, Boog and JD for a whole inning because the innings were going quick that game, but you know, as, as you kind of take a look at Tom, you know, and, and both him and Jed, have, you're going to hear Jed later, have very similar, you know, when they are talking about the season, the word that comes up is disappointing. And I don't think you could put it any other way. So this is what Tom had to say. Obviously, just like every other fan, it's just been a tough few weeks here, you know, to, um, you know, we fell short of our goal of making the playoffs um, in a way that's been pretty rough emotionally. But, but you know, you just have to like, you know, look forward and try to build on this and hope the experience is going to make the guys, you know, a little more focused next year. And everyone in the organization does that little bit extra to get us over the hump. Get us over the hump, Crowley. That's what we're hoping for. Right. And what I liked is he, you know, basically said we fell short of our goals. I know, you know, there, there are people that might've said, Oh, you know, look, you, you played all the way until game 161. You were in it, this and that. But that wasn't good enough, not for Jed, not for Tom, and and, and I, not for the players. And so I, I truly think that, um, you know, I'm, I'm glad that they kind of came out, both of them, and, and had that to say because it was disappointing. You can't be anything but disappointed the way that that season ended up. No, you can't be disappointed. And that was, that was the thing. They, they didn't reach their goal. They didn't. But they did take a, a nice step in the right direction. The disappointment would come next year if they regressed. So I think you have to hold on to the fact that they did do some really good things, and they did it with guys that nobody, nobody, including them, thought were going to be contributors. Right. And and, and so as, as we kind of go on, one of the big talking points is going to be this idea of organizational health. And, and this is something that both Tom and Jed are going to talk about, and, and it's something I agree with both of them on. Here's what Tom said about it. Well, I mean, I look at our whole organization and see how healthy it is from top to bottom. You know, we obviously we added some players at the, at the, at the trade deadline, but, you know, with, with, you know, some minor leaguers that are, that are good, but not our core, not our, not our best, you know, not our best prospects. And, um, you know, across the board, we had, in each minor league level, we had some good seasons. You know, with three out of the four, we're as you know one of the uh, the top teams in their divisions. Tennessee won the league. You know, the, the Pelicans got close, but um, I just see a lot of great players coming, and you saw some of them this year. 
I mean, some of the guys, obviously, um, you know, Wicks and Assad are guys that came out of the system that, that performed really well, and we got more guys coming. So I'm excited about the fact we have a core of players that will be back next year, and a lot of young guys that will be knocking on the door to help them win. Kate Hort. Now, again, you know, when you talk about organizational health, I think the difference between now and the 2015 through 2020 iteration is that the Cubs minor league system had some really good blue chip prospects, really, really good. But the depth of the system, Dustin, wasn't that much. The other thing is that they never developed pitching in that first run, never. You didn't have any pitching that came out of that that was worth anything. And so when you take a look at it, South Bend won the championship last year. Um, Tennessee won the championship this year. Myrtle Beach has been in the postseason the last two years. Iowa had a really good season. I mean, Iowa's always a tough one because you have to keep pulling guys up and down. You get what I'm saying? So it's like they don't get the consistency that the other minor league teams had, but they had a really great year. So I do agree with Tom. I think the organizational health – and the young farm system is going to really, you're going to see that bust through, I think, next year. Yeah, and um, I, I really appreciate the fact. I don't know how many other owners slash chairmen, chairpersons, seem to know as much about the minor leagues as Tom does. He really, he really follows this. I think he goes... I think he goes. I think he's watching the road to Wrigley, just like you and I are watching it. I think he fires up the DVR. He's definitely getting on a call, you know, with with Jed, with Carter, to get an update on these types of things. And I appreciate that. So when he's actually telling you and I on Marquee what he thinks is coming up next, he does sound very believable. He sounds like he knows. It sounds like he cares. I love that. He, he cares about the the, uh, the affiliates a lot. Uh, he goes down there, and he has high expectations of the owners of the affiliates. So you look at, you know, Tennessee's going to have a new stadium that's going to be built. Uh, Myrtle Beach is going to have a new stadium that's going to be built. Uh, South Bend, beautiful facilities. Iowa's wonderful. So he has an expectation of if you're going to own this team, if you're going to be an affiliate, this is what we expect of you. So I, I do like that. Now, uh, one thing that raised my eyebrows, and you figured that Jed and uh, – and Tom talked about this before is Kyle Hendricks, because usually, you know, an owner's not going to say one way or another. Usually the common line from Tom is, well, that's Jed's decision. Yep. But this is what yep. he had to say about Kyle. Yeah, Kyle's one of the great stories of the summer coming back from uh, some, some injury issues last year. And I know we have a team option on him and I'll leave that up to Jed, but I don't, I mean, I, I don't see why we wouldn't be bringing him back next year. It's, uh, um, he just, he's a solid guy. He does have that, relationship to the past but he's he's good still good and uh you know he's a great teammate and i imagine he'll be in our rotation next year it was you can, so again you know that look that sounded like a ringing endorsement for me from tom ricketts oh, absolutely <laughs> and it and again how, how do you not like kyle hendricks if you're a cubs fan if you're a cubs owner if you're part of the cubs front office there's nothing not to like about that guy Again, you're not having him come in, you know, game one or game seven necessarily at this point in his career, but he's definitely serviceable and he's got to be great in the clubhouse. Right. And like we talked about, he kept the Cubs in games. And this was when you would talk about the disaster that was the rotation, you lost Marcus Stroman for half a year. Uh, Drew Smiley was bad most of the year. Jamison Tyone was bad to inconsistent. Uh, uh, Hayden Wesniski never really got rolling this year. And so, you know, if he doesn't come back, you didn't know. And we'll talk about that in Jed's clip. You didn't know what you were going to get from him. He, he really saved this team. Now, this next clip right here is about Dansby Swanson, the big free agent signing. This is what Tom had to say about this. Yeah, when you look at Dansby, I mean, it just solidifies the entire team. You know, just he's that steady veteran at, at short. Um, you know, he, he makes all the plays he should make, plus a few that he probably shouldn't. And so he, he's a great guy. He's also a great teammate and a great leader. So, you know, you look at the, the, the free agent insanity of last offseason, and uh, I think Jed played it as well as it could be played with getting the, the right player into our, into our organization. Crowley, that's where I'd like to jump in, though. Go ahead. Good guy, great teammate, right guy into our organization. Even some of the guys that didn't make it all the way down 
to the final 162. They didn't make it to that last game that were earlier on in the season that helped set the compass, if you will, for this Cubs team were good guys, good clubhouse guys. And I think that sometimes is, eh, what does that matter? I just want the guy to mash. I just want the guy to get the ball. I just want the guy to run the bases hard. But there, there is something to that, I believe, having those types of guys around. He is absolutely, undeniably the leader of this team. Um, and the, But the one thing that caught my ear was how he talked about the insanity of the free agent market last year. And that made me kind of just kind of tick my head up a little bit. And as you, as we kind of talk a little bit more about this and we talk about Cody Bellinger and some of these things, I want you to keep that in mind when he talked about the insanity of the offseason last year, because some things happened last year that I think we, you know, kind of, you can, it kind of gives you like an insight into Tom's mind here. Now, obviously, um, you know, David Ross is somebody that we've talked about and there's questions and all this stuff. Um, but I think any question or any possibility of Ross not being on this team ended when he had these things to say about David Ross. I think Ross, you did a great job. He creates a, a great clubhouse culture. Uh, the players love playing for him. Um, he keeps a he keeps a, a steady, balanced approach game in and game out that you need over the course of 162 games. And and um, you know he's I, I talked to him before the game today. He's as disappointed as anyone that, that we just couldn't quite pull it over the finish line and. And so um, I think he did a good job. I think, I think, I think Rossi had a great season and uh, the players play hard for him. And so the one thing that he does say is, is that he's our guy. And he, he said that. And so he made it real clear that there's not going to be really any speculation about David Ross's job. Yeah. I mean that, that he wasn't the manager of the year, but he definitely didn't deserve to be fired either. Somewhere in between. No. And I think, I do think he's coming into the last year of a contract, right? Is he in the last, the final year coming up in 24? Mm-hmm. Um, yes. I think he, I think he's on notice. I, I mean, I think there needs to be Ross Tober or I think Ross will be gone, but I, I think it's the right move to bring him back at this time. Yeah. And, and Jed had some interesting things to say about that as well. Now, obviously, again, when we talked in our last episode of the four burning questions about uh, 2024, Cody Bellinger is number one. And, and I did get a little chuckle out of this from Tom Ricketts. He had, there's, there's two clips here about Cody. Well, I think every team would love to have Cody Bellinger. Uh, we'd love to have him back. Turned out he had a great season. He's a great teammate, popular guy. I think he had a good summer here. Um, I think he enjoyed Chicago. We'll, we'll do our best, you know. I mean, it's uh, you just never quite know. I mean, the, the way the contracts get written these days, you have to be very careful. You know, it's not just the dollars, it's the length. And, um, you know, some teams are willing to go 10, 11 years on guys. And you just have to be really careful because, I mean, you, no matter how you slice it, you can only spend every dollar once. And um, hopefully we'll find something that works for everybody to keep that going. So when he says that, remember when I said the insanity of the offseason last year? Yep. I mean, that's clearly talking about those 10, 11-year contracts that you see certain guys get, the amount of not not just money but years um, that you saw guys get. And I think that, you know, when you're talking about, um, you know, some, some of the contracts. So I, I, you could tell that Tom is not big into those 10, 11-year contracts. But this is what cracks me up when he talks about Cody and he talks about, like, Wrigley and day games and all that stuff. Well, you know, Chicago's a great place to play. When we, when we go out to talk to free agents, we never have to sell the Cubs. I mean, players like the fact that the ballpark is full, it's in the city, you can live a few blocks away. And most of the players that are free agents already have – yeah, they're already settled down. They have families. You know, they want to be home at night. Friday and Saturday day games, that's a plus. So um, recruiting's never an issue for us. We have a great great place for players to come. Uh, you know, the, obviously the dollars tend to win out over day games. But um, but we'll see how it goes this offseason. <laughs> dollars win out over day games. Okay. I mean, now I didn't kick, pick up on everything he said originally, so I'm glad you brought – that back that kind of makes you go hmm yeah and and, and so you know it, it, it's funny because people are like oh he loves playing at Wrigley oh you know yeah like day games are so great you get to be with your family and a lot of players do love that but at the end of the day who's going to write the biggest fattest check is really what's going to matter I keep pounding on the idea that the Yankees and the Giants would love nothing more than to have Cody Bellinger on their team as would 28 other teams well, but right. those two say, have- who, who wouldn't who wouldn't want Cody Bellinger on their team again for but again I do think there is a 
I think there is a a a, a price, right? There's a, a how far is somebody willing to go? Right, and, and and again, as Tom brought up, not just that, the years. It comes down to the years, and and so uh, you know. But for me, when I think about Cody Bellinger, Dustin, he fills so many holes that if he doesn't perform, you know, in one way, like he, you know, if he's not the, you know, you have him as a gold glove center field, the gold glove first baseman, a guy that can hit and, and, and again, a good clubhouse guy. But again, if, if it gets ridiculous, I think sometimes people have to understand there, there is a certain limit where you're going to, when you're playing poker, when all of a sudden the price gets a little bit too rich, I know people say the Cubs and all, oh, they shouldn't have to worry about that. But I mean, that's not realistic, you know? Right. Right. And so this is what Tom had to say about his free agent plans. Well, I mean, we were aggressive this year. Um, and I think we'll, you know, stay in those levels. I'll let, you know, Jed decide where the dollars go. That's, that's, that's his job. But, um, the nice part is that, um, we do have a fair number of, of people coming through the system right now that could be real producers for us over the next few years. And on top of that, we have a core, you know, something we couldn't say two years ago. We have a handful of guys that are going to be here for the next few years, and we've got five or six positions locked down for next year uh, with guys that who are, you know, are, you know, well above major league average players, and that's a great start. So uh, it'll be up to Jed to figure out where to go from here to supplement those guys to put a winning team on the field. But I think we're going to, you know, come into spring training optimistic and ready to go. Optimistic and ready to go. I love it. And they do. They've got a good core. There's no doubt about it. They've got a good core. They add a couple of really good pieces, and I think they've got a really good shot at winning this division. Dustin, when we did our podcast last year prior to the free agent market, when the 2022 season ended, we said, okay, here are all the holes you need to fix. And it was a long list. You, you literally could have thrown a dart at a baseball diamond and, and, and the Cubs needed that. But when you kind of go now and you take a look, you know, obviously to me, first and third are the two biggest issues that you face. But then when you go around the diamond, you got your left fielder, your right fielder, you got your shortstop, you got your second baseman, and you got your catching tandem. So there is less shopping that needs to get done than we where we were last year. And so right. th- a th- lot, that four a makes lot, a difference. A lot less. A lot less. Yep. Not only that, but but you have another year of what Tom's talking about, these minor league players coming up that are going to be able to supplement. Again, when you sit there and you have minor leaguers – those guys are cost controlled. They're not expensive at all to the organization. And that's what allows you to make kind of the bigger purchases. Okay. You can't just go out and buy a team. That's it's very rare that that works out. And so the way you do that, you offset the higher contracts is with the low contract. You don't pay Chris Morrell anything. You don't pay, uh, you know, Jordan Wicks is not making anything. Justin Steele's really not making much of anything. I'm not saying, I mean, I would trust me. I love their paychecks, but in baseball terms, right. he's not making what, uh, Carlos Correa is making, you know what I mean? He's right. not ma- making what, uh, you know, some of these other, you know, uh, Aaron judge is making it, it. So you're allowed to kind of have a little bit of flexibility. And so this was Tom's final words on the broadcast, um, regarding 2023. Well, I mean, obviously you can't be pleased when you miss the playoffs yep. when, you're, when that's your goal. But, um, but I think overall, I mean, we've had a couple seasons in here. It feels like yeah. a couple different seasons. I know. And, uh, you know, I just know that, uh, you know, like we had a, you know, we put on a good show for the fans. Plays, players played really hard. We came up a little short, but we're going to build on that for next year. You know, and that's that's a hundred percent, man. Is that it, it felt, Dustin? Like I, I when when we we'll continue to break down twenty twenty three, but it felt like three different seasons when you talk about, uh, you know, April, May, the summer, and then September. Three right. completely I mean, different seasons. Right. And, and there was, you know, there was a lot of, there was a group of people that were upset with Ricketts, you know, the biblical losses comment and things like that. And, you know, Ricketsville looking fantastic down, you know, Clark and Addison, everything going on. And yet the, the, the what was on the field wasn't too good. And I always kept saying, we got to give them a little bit of time. Got to give them a little bit of rope. And I think some fans did. And I think right now you got to be happy. But again, you have to trust him on his word. He said they're not done. So let's see what they've got left. This is the Fly the W670 podcast. It is season two. It's episode 76. Jed Hoyer's 2023 Cubs autopsy. Crowley, don't forget, we want people to listen, download, review, and subscribe to the Fly the W podcast. 
Congrats go out to Pete Crow Armstrong. PCA was named the 2023 winner of the Minor League Defensive Player of the Year Award. I cannot wait until he gets to start with the team and the corner outfielders get used to him. He is so fast. I think it's going to take some adjustment for Ian Sia. I think there was a play that in, in Colorado where Ian dropped the ball, but I think he might have been distracted because PCA came like a bolt of lightning behind him. I don't even think he knew how fast he was. So, uh, uh, you know, Nico Horner was talking hold on, to – Hold on, hold on, hold on. We're moving too quick here, Crowley. Hold on. Okay, go we, ahead. We, no, we, no. I need, I need, we got to talk a little bit about PCA here. Yes, sir. Uh, are, you, are you ready Are you ready for PCA to be every day in 2024? Um. When we when we when we listen to Jed's comments, I think he had a really really good outlook on that. And 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 the other person I was just going to bring this up is um, Parkins and Spiegel, the afternoon show. They had Nico Horner out at Wrigley. Uh, you know, they were right around near the end of the season. They have him on the show. And the one thing that Nico said, if you're very worried about um, PCA's offensive performance, keep in mind that this is a kid that came in late in games. So when you come in late, especially into closed games, what are you facing? You're facing the best pitchers. You don't get to see a guy two, three, four times. You get to see a guy once. And that is difficult, Dustin. And that's why when you look at bullpens these days, that's why teams don't want guys going through the road, the order three or four times. The more you see a guy, the more you're going to pick up on what he throws. So if you're going to sit there and you can get through six and you have a you know seven, eight, nine locked down, different guys, that's difficult. So when PCA comes in, he faces one guy that's, you know, designed to get people out. And then he has to face another guy that's designed to get people out. I don't think you saw the best of PCA offensively. And what Nico said is go take a look at, at a lot of guys' numbers against, you know, in the eighth inning, again, ninth inning, against some of these closers, some of these setup men. There, you're going to see a lot of guys that have 0 for numbers, 0 for 10, 0 for 9, those type of things. So I, I, I this is, what you can't do, Dustin, is you can't have a bunch of guys struggling and have PCA in the lineup. The goal, ideally, is to have a strong one through seven in your lineup, and that be able, you know, and not have to rely on PCA for offense. Whatever he give you is a bonus, right? And he gets right. to learn on the job. So don't take, you know, he got thrown in the middle of a pennant chase. You know, had to face some really, really good teams in Atlanta and Milwaukee, um, and, and you know, and. and Arizona and those type of teams that that are, are postseason teams, it's not a really good measuring stick. And and again, Jed's going to have some really good things to say about PCA that I want everyone to listen to. And nice hopefully... tease, Crowley. Nice tease. I know. I Absolutely. know what he said. But nice tease. All right, let's move on to Nico. <laughs> let's go back to Parkinson Spiegel talking to Nico Warren. No, but that, that's what he was saying is that you know how difficult it is to you know go against those eighth ninth guys. You know, it's just really right. hard. Right. And so, you know, um, speaking of Spiegel, though, you know that he has his morning show on Sunday uh, mm -hmm. and, and on his morning show, who comes on? But our buddy Bruce Levine, uh, Odyssey baseball insider. He's on Mully and Haw. He's on everywhere on the score. And this is what Bruce Levine had to say. The situation is the, the, the mumbling out there is that the Cubs are going to do everything they can to trade for Pete Alonzo from the Mets. Uh, Alonzo in the last year of a contract, obviously 46 home runs, 100 RBI, you know, a guy that pounds the ball, sure he strikes out, but, you know, who doesn't these days? And uh, he's one year away from being a free agent, much like Bellinger was. And the only difference, Matt, is that you're going to have to trade something really good for him, even though there's only one year left. And that the Mets and him uh, have not come to a meeting of the minds about a long-term deal. So Alonzo is that middle-of-the-order type hitter to go along with Bellinger. You're really, you know, we're stretching it in this conversation on October 2nd, hmm. thinking that they're going to get both of them. But that would be their plan going into the offseason. A slugger like Alonzo, uh, a great piece like Bellinger. There, I, I I laughed because when you say something like that, Cubs Twitter went crazy. Bruce Levine reports comes oh, yeah. in on it's in everywhere. On, uh, the New York, the New York Post picked up on it. You know, right? Yeah. But Cubs but doing listen, everything possible to lure the, the the polar bear away from New York. 
Yeah, if, if you listen to what Bruce was saying, it's what they would like to do, not what is likely to happen. Now, you know, one thing that was a skill sometimes. Yeah, listening is a skill. <laughs> right. One, one, one thing that happened it, when you look at this is that when you talk about Cody Bellinger, he was coming up some awful, awful years in L.A., and, and basically, the Dodgers threw him in the trash. They said they non-tendered him, which is the same thing the Cubs did to uh, Kyle Schwarber. They just let him walk. It would have been nothing to keep him. And, and so when that happens, the Cubs are able to kind of swoop in and get an absolute steal on Cody Bellinger um, for $12 million. Okay? So and, and that was a lot of money for a guy that was struggling, so to speak. And so this is not the case with Alonzo. Alonzo is a one-year guy. But, again, you're going to have to trade three or four. I mean, you're talking, I would say, probably at least they're going to ask for two top ten prospects. If you're going to talk about at least two top 10 prospects, yeah, that's, a little, that's a little rich for a rental, especially with the, what's the other news that happened today about Alonzo. Yeah, you, and I were so, texting, you and I were texting about this. Uh, so after that story by Bruce and then, you know, it was again, some cold water gets, uh, you know, dumped on everybody. Uh, John Heyman, another Odyssey insider and score guy. Um, he's at Pete Alonzo hires Boris Corp to represent him as he heads into his free agent year. So if you were, Dustin, if, and that's why you do have a farm system, is you have a farm system so that ideally you can trade pieces to get what you need and all that stuff. That's the, the beauty of having a deep farm system. But if you're going to get rid of two or three top 15 guys, let's say, then what you want to do is you want to make sure that you can trade and sign an extension with Alonzo. Right. It's gotta be, it's gotta be part of it. It has to, it has to be part of it. You have to know that you're going to be able to keep him around, but I guess you also have to know that you want him. I just think when you do something like that, you better know that like, are they, are they, is he the, is he the missing link? Assuming that you can keep Bellinger is, is that the missing link? Right. Are they better than the Braves if they have Pete Alonso and Cody Bellinger is kind of kind of the yardstick that I would. If you're going to get rid of two top 10 prospects. Right. 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 Absolutely. And so that that's the thing is that when the Cubs did that before with Araldis Chapman and everyone freaked out, they gave up Glabar Torres and da, 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 da. That was the final piece of the puzzle. That's the last piece you needed. And so you're willing to say, hey, when when you got that ring, even if you didn't get the ring, even if the Cubs lost at game seven. God, I hate even to shudder to think about it, but that was the right move. You went for the kill. Okay. Going for the kill right now is, is seems a little premature. And, and like I said, if you told me Pete Alonzo for two top 10 picks, you know, I'd be nervous. But if you told me he's also signing a five year X amount of dollar extension. Okay. But not for a one year rental. I'm not doing that. No way. No, not for, not for a one year rental. Nope. So Dustin, we, 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 Made some predictions last time around about the postseason wild card round, and it was a clean sweep in the wild card rounds. No do or die. So we're without baseball till Saturday. I don't. Know I don't what, like. I don't like that we're do. without baseball. I don't like that we're without <laughs> baseball. But but you know what makes me happy? You know what really makes me happy? What makes you happy, Dustin? No more Craig Tober. Okay, congratulations, <laughs> Milwaukee Brewers. You played two more games than the Cubs. Well, With Dustin, the you and I were greatest manager who's ever managed a baseball team that's going to move to New York. Well, you and I went 500 on our picks. We both picked the Phillies to smash the Marlins, and that's exactly what happened. Zach Wheeler and the Phillies took game one, four to one. An upcoming free agent, Aaron Nola, didn't give up a run as Phillies took game two, seven to one. But the other wildcard matchup in the NL featured an upset as the number six seed Diamondbacks, like you were just clapping about, beat the number three seed, the Brewers, in two games. The D-backs had a bullpen game going in game one, and the Brewers had their ace, Corbin Burns, on the mound. But after falling behind 3-0, Arizona scored six unanswered runs to beat Milwaukee. And questions about moves Craig Council made where he really had, in a game that was pretty much over, Devin Williams throwing a lot of pitches in that ninth inning and basically burning him for game two. Um, but it really didn't matter as the Brewers uh, again jumped out to an early 2 nothing lead as Zach Gallon was taking on Freddie Peralta. But the Snakes scored one in the fifth and four in the sixth, and the Brewers were eliminated. And as you said, Craig Council may have seen his play, coached his last game for the Brew Crew. And Dustin, I wonder, and this is what I was wondering going into that last Milwaukee series is I was shocked that he played as many regulars as he did because if you would have looked, 
if he would have let the Cubs win all three, and let's say the Cubs won that and they get into the playoffs, to me, Arizona is hot. And if you remember at the last episode, I chose the Brewers because I, I, I had to I had to like put up or shut up about my Craig Council talk. But I was kind of a little bit on the fence on it because I think right now the D-backs are one of the hottest teams in baseball. And and I think I think that it would have it would have been better for the Brewers to have to face the Cubs who were on fumes and would have had to, you know, they would have had to pitch Justin Steele and all this stuff. I think it would have been an easy sweep for the Brewers if they would have faced the Cubs. So if yeah, I, was, I was surprised. I thought that they would have wanted them. They would have done everything they could to have kind of let them in. They couldn't have controlled it all, but they would have done whatever they could to let them in. Now I, I think they, you know, they, they ruined it for themselves. Right. And on the AL side, as we predicted, Dustin, the Rangers took out the Rays. Too many injuries for Tampa to overcome. Game one saw Jordan Montgomery pitch a gem as Texas shut out Tampa Bay for nothing. More of the same in game two as Nate Evaldi pitched well and the potent Rangers offense pounded Tampa 7-1 to one to sweep the series. Dustin, we were wrong when we thought the Twins would lose to the Blue Jays. On yeah. Tuesday night, the Twins ended the longest playoff streak in professional sports. They snapped their 19-year, 18-game playoff losing streak by beating the Blue Jays 3-1 to one, thanks to a two-run homer from Royce Lewis and a brilliant defensive play by Carlos Correa to nail Bo Bichette at the plate. Yeah, how about that? Yeah, Correa, Correa doing something, and now uh, now Correa gets to lead the Twins versus his uh, former club, the uh, Astros. Yeah, and, and you know, Dustin, when you when you look at it, it's something you look at because the Twins were able to advance from a strong pitching performance by Sonny Gray in the bullpen to win two nothing. And again, it, Correa made a really brilliant play on a pickoff move, um, where where they caught um, Vladito napping at second base, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And so he's hot right now. Uh, Correa had a tough year, but all of a sudden in September, he's starting to heat up. And and, and now you got to look out. Like you said, there's a lot of good division series, a lot of good uh, storylines that we're going to kind of take a look at. And so this is the bracket right here. Arizona takes on the Dodgers. Phillies take on the Braves. The Astros take on the Twins. And Texas takes on the Baltimore Orioles. So on the NL side, Arizona's been hot and they've been uh, – They'll be taking on their NL West rivals like we talked about. First time the Snakes are in the playoffs since 2017. Um, and then you have that Braves-Phillies rematch of last year's exciting NLDS. But, Dustin, this time around, Ron Lacuna is healthy. I think that's going to be one heck of a series to watch. Yeah, it will be. I, I, I think all these matchups will be interesting. I just I don't like that we've got division rivals playing each other. I, I think – they could have reseeded, right? Couldn't they have reseeded? Why, why did it have to go down exactly like this? Um, I, I, I like it. I mean, I mean, you know, imagine if it could have been like the Cubs versus Brewers, or I was there when the Cubs. But I mean, the Braves, the Braves Cardinals. are the number. The Braves are the number one seed, right? Right. So shouldn't right. they get? Shouldn't they get the worst remaining seed? I guess that might be. I something mean, the home games. At. They knew Major League Baseball knew that the Dodgers and Braves were hosting. So it's not like right. they had to scurry around for hotel rooms for that. Right. Uh, you know, good question. Uh, we'll see what happens. On the AL side, former Cubs bench coach uh, or firm, former Cubs coach Brennan Hyde leads the young and upcoming Orioles. First postseason since 2016, they take on the Texas Rangers. And then the other matchup, like you talked about, Carlos Correa taking on his former team, the Astros. Um, we'll see if the Twinkies can do it twice in a row. I think, Dustin, we got to make some predictions here. All right, how do you want to start this one off? Let's go AL this time. Uh, Houston and the Twins, who you got? Uh, unfortunately, I've got to go with the Astros. I'm with you. I think the Astros take this one. Uh, Texas and Orioles, who you got? I'm pulling for Brandon Hyde and the Orioles. I think the Orioles are a great story, and I think the uh, young catcher for the Orioles has a chance to really uh, be the kind of new face of baseball. I like I want my heart says Orioles, but my brain's saying go with the Rangers. So I'm go I'm going with an all Texas ALCS. Wow, look at uh, that! Now here's where we get a little bit tough. This is really tough, Dustin. Let's go. Let's go on the top first here. The Diamondbacks versus the Dodgers. Who you got? Um, I've got to go the Dodgers. I mean, if they're not going to do it now, when the heck are they going to do it? But to your point, right? To your point. I mean, the D-backs the snakes, whatever we want to refer to them as they are hot. So I hope if I, to be right, that uh, they have tried the Dodgers to stay in good form. And um, it's a tough one, but I'm going to go Dodgers. 
I am going to go with the Diamondbacks. I just think that they are the team. There's always one that just kind of comes out of nowhere and surprises yeah. you. And I think it's I think it's Arizona's turn. Uh, I, I think you're right. I, I mean, I could easily go with that. I just I just feel like if the Dodgers aren't going to do it now, this is probably the end of Kershaw. You know, the end's got to be coming soon. Um, I think they're the team most likely to get Otani. To be honest with you, so it, again, it, it, if not now, when the heck are they going to do it? And then, then I think that I think the next series we're going to talk about is the best series in this round: the Phillies and the Braves. I think that's Phillies going to be the one the that's going to be the most fun to watch, anyway. You know, Atlanta's salty about last year getting knocked out after having yep. 101 wins. You know, Philly is confident in that in their in their lineup. Uh, I, Dustin, am going to stick with the Braves. They just, I just don't think that there's another another team as strong as the Braves right now. Right. I think the couple days off, though, is going to help the Phillies tremendously as far as getting their pitching kind of set back in in order. I'm going to go Phillies. Just I'm going to pull for Kyle Schwarber. Um, I, I think they're a really good team. I'm going to go Phillies. I, I want to be against the Braves after what they did, after what they did to the Cubs. It's part of it, right? That's part of, again, I'm not saying I'm going to go to, you know, Circus Sports, Illinois and bet on the Phillies, but that's what I want to happen. Yeah, it's, it's going to be fun, and I think it's going to be some really – I think the, the winner is going to be the baseball fan because this is a really good series that are setting up here. Now, Crowley, we got to get into Jed Hoyer, right? Because this is Season 2. It's Episode 76, and we called this episode Jed Hoyer's 2023 Cubs Autopsy. So, Crowley, what did Jed have to say in his uh, almost, what, 57-minute uh, – State of the Cub press conference the other day. I think that was on Tuesday. Yes, absolutely. I, I thought Monday. Now this week has been bizarre. Yeah, I thought was it wasn't. It felt like I don't. I, I want to feel like it's Tuesday, but you may be right. It might have been. Yeah, it was Tuesday. It was Tuesday. It was Tuesday that okay. he did. It. Yeah, because we we recorded on Monday and we we said we kind of That's teased right. it out. Yep. So it was on Tuesday that he met with the beat writers and talked about a lot of things. Um, I thought it was a, a, a interesting there again, you, you kind of start to like dig for little nuggets here. And, and for me, I thought there was a lot of interesting stuff here. Um, when you listen to Jed's intro, you'll hear some stuff here about, um, you know, kind of what happened in the season. And it, it again, mirrors what Tom had to say. So this is Jed. And, and so what he does is he does his little spiel about how he thinks the season goes, and then he opens it up to media questions. Thanks. Um, I guess I'll start. Uh, I feel like the question that um, I keep reading everywhere is, you know, how do you define the season? And I know you guys have asked our you know, players, you know, Rossi, Tom, you know, is this a success or not? And I guess I'll start by saying like, no. Um, you know, when I think about our season, I'm really impressed that our guys set goals as high as they did. Um, sort of externally, we're not expected to be a playoff team, but the internal uh, expectations were – that we're going to make the playoffs and you know, going back to spring training, that was, that was the clear goal. Um, when we were 10 games under in the middle of June, um, these guys still believed and it was pretty amazing thing from my seat to listen to them talk about how good they thought the team was when we were 10 games under, um, you know, in the middle of July, when we were after the all-star break, we were still, we were seven games under and these guys are begging me not to break the team up and begging me not to make trade, which is, really impressive. Um, these guys believe through all that and, you know, they went on a heck of a run. I think we went from, you know, 10 under to 12 over, over a three month period. And, um, it was fun to watch. We just didn't finish the race. Uh, painfully, we did not finish the race. And, um, you know, certainly there's positives to take from the season, both organizationally, um, and certainly positives to take from as a major league team. But, um, you know, right now we're sort of stuck thinking about you know what could have been and thinking about the you know, the painful last two and a half three weeks and um you can't call something that um falls short of your goal as a success so ultimately we have to live with that um i know it'll motivate me all winter and i know talking to our players and coaches and front office i, I know it's going to motivate them but um you can't you can't define something as, as a success when you fall short i think as tom said those those things are consolation prizes and that's not why we're here so we didn't finish the race, Dustin. And, and, and I, like I said, I think we've come a long way since 2022, 21, 20, when that sell-off happened in 2021 and into 2022, 23, 
Um, 21 and 22, there was no shot. You, you had no shot at a postseason. No one ever thought about it. And when we looked at this year, you know, it was obviously the Pakoda had the Cubs winning 77. If you remember, we had the Pakoda, Greg Goldstein on and all that stuff. And, and the Cubs outseeded, you know, exceeded those expectations. They did fall a little bit short, but I like the fact that the bar is being raised. Oh, yeah. Um, the bar is being raised. There's no doubt about that. Um, even Cub fans would like this. Crawley, just seeing some really sad news breaking right now. Any Chicago <laughs> sports fan, uh, NFL legend, Bear legend Dick Budkus passes the way at the age of 80. Mm, man, wow. you know, I, um, TMZ, TMZ reporting that. I'm just, I'm just seeing that as you and I are recording this. Wow. That yeah, is I'm, super sad. Very sad. Um, I actually, I was, I, I wasn't going to see him, but he was going to be an autograph show that I was going, I'm going to this weekend, um, in Schaumburg. So, I mean, that's obviously yeah. shocking news. Um, for those fans that aren't young enough it is, to remember. It's at Wrigley Field, right? Right. For your fans not young enough to remember, the majority, his career was played pretty much at Wrigley Field. Uh, and some of the great Bears teams with Gail Sayers. And so in 2014, when the Cubs did the centennial anniversary of Wrigley Field, uh, on the actual day of, of the centennial, April 21st uh, from 1914, when they had that a few years back, they actually brought out the greatest players that they could of so many generations. And two of the guys that they did bring out were Gail Sayers and Dick Butkus to, to go out on the field and get the accolades. It was a a beautiful moment. And so uh, very sorry to hear that Mr. Butkus had passed away because he was such a face of Chicago. Sorry to interrupt you there, Crowley, but uh, had, no, no, I had to react to it. So absolutely. So, you know, it's, it's a loss for the entire city of Chicago. A great absolutely. guy. And like I said, a guy who played the majority, the majority of his games at Wrigley field. At Wrigley um, field. Now, the Cubs. yes, little tie. And, and, and so, you know, they asked Jed what needs to happen to get over to playoff pump. This is what he had to say. Uh, with that in mind of achieving the playoff goal next year, you know, what do you think you guys need to do to get over the hump and, and get back to the playoffs? Well, um, I was hoping to have less of October to do off season planning, but certainly we'll, we'll get right to work and, you know, spend a lot of time now that um, we're not, you know, in the fight, uh, get a chance to break down exactly the things that uh, we need to improve. Um, we're a really strong team in a lot of ways. You know, we're above average, um, offensive team. I think we're actually top 20% offensive team this year. We had really good run prevention. Um, the shell of a really good team is there. Um, obviously, we have to make additions and, and we have to uh, find ways to improve. Um, but I feel really good given where we were a year ago, the number of pieces we have that are you know contributing players on a really good team is there and we just need to supplement that. Um, and you know we, we play very very similar baseball to this year. We just have to finish find a way to avoid the ups and downs as much and finish the race a lot stronger. So the shell of the team is there. That again, you're talking about your core. You got that. And now it comes down to the supplemental pieces that you're gonna, you know, look to see what your weaknesses are. I think we know. And, and that's up to Jed to get that done. Um, one of the things that hurt them in their goal to get to that race was the bullpen kind of um, going through a lot of t uh, tough stretch at the end. And obviously, this, you know, Jed addressed that issue as well. We've talked about how building depth mm -hmm. within within player development work for much of the year wasn't quite enough at the end of the year. Have you diagnosed kind of why that wasn't enough and, and what the next steps are to make sure it doesn't happen? Yeah, I mean, for a really long period of the year, our bullpen functioned really well. You know, we were during that, that long good stretch. I think we were 13 and seven in one run games. Adbert you know, was locking down one run saves. Um, you know, he had you know some combination of Fulmer and Leiter and Merriweather pitching the seventh and eighth, and they did it really effectively. And when that formula, so to speak, when faltered, when Fulmer got hurt and then Adbert got hurt, Leiter was banged up at the end of the year. Really, only Merriweather was sort of kind of able to run the whole race without having a lot of days off. Um, that that really affected us. And I think, frankly, losing three or your four guys that you're counting on towards the end, I think that's going to affect anybody. Um, but, yeah, certainly the, the lessons learned from the year, um, 
you know, when our bullpen was in really good shape, we were very effective. I think we had times to, during the year that we were unable to hold leads, uh, both kind of in May and then at the end of the season, and that's something we have to address. Um, you know, I think we do have a lot of good arms coming. Um, we have to develop those guys, you know, into good good relievers. That's that transition's not not easy, and we do have to spend the offseason building up that depth because um, you know we did we lost a number of guys that we were counting on, and that's probably normal we said we have to assume that level of of attrition um but the, mo- the, the attrition that hurts the most was ultimately those guys sort of being a- unable to help us towards the end of the end of the season we were unable to hold leads and you know frankly we were also un- unable to get the big hits to s- stretch leads out and um i think both those things contributed now to me the thing that he mentioned that was interesting was what we talked about mark Leiter being banged up at the end of the year there was no doubt in my head that that he was not healthy. He was not 100%. And so when you look at this season, to me, April and May, it took a while to kind of figure out the roles in the bullpen, right? And and, and that cost them some games in April and May. But as, as Jed said, when you were going, when you were clicking July, August, you know, in June, late June, July, August, you had a defined bullpen. You had defined roles. But you tell me, Dustin, any any team that loses three of their top four uh bullpen arms in September, how you're going to do. I don't think there's a lot of teams that are going to come, but that's where you need to have added depth. Yeah, they, they need to get deeper. And boy, did they miss Michael Fulmer. I mean, Michael Fulmer was obviously just a, a piece that they just could not uh, afford to have lost like they did. Um, and, th- and that's always that, that that's that is where you really see you know, your vice president of baseball operations and your general manager and kind of your pitching lab, like how valuable that is, is putting together that bullpen. That's where you really see when you get the really good talent evaluators out there. Yeah. And, and so hopefully, like I said, those arms will come up again, the big question, Cody Bellinger, and, and here's how Jed answered it. With that in mind is Cody Bellinger re-signing him a priority and if you don't re-sign him, how important is it to replace that production and then add some production on top of that as well? Yeah. Um, yeah, we blew two teams out really well this year. Um, and we were, you know, we were, I think, 14, 14 games over 500, I think, in games decided by five or more runs. That's a really good indication of a really good team. You know, I think that um, you know, in one-run games, I think we were two under. Um you know, I think I was, I'm really proud of our hitting infrastructure and, and all of our hitters. You know, we ended up with over 800 runs and we uh, were, I think that's top six, top 20% in baseball, which is certainly not where we were projected uh, going into the season. And I think Cody was a big part of that. Uh, he had incredible season and um, it felt like during that run that we had, it just felt like it was just one, two out single after another, you know, whenever we needed him, he sort of bailed us out. And um, that's certainly not lost on us. Um, you know, we sat down with him on Sunday, had a, a long conversation. We've had really good dialogue throughout the whole year. Um, and he loves Wrigley Field and he loves the, the fans. And I think his experience was fantastic. And obviously our experience with him was fantastic. And, um, you know, we'd love to bring him back. We'll have a lot of conversations with him. Obviously it's a process and that process does not start now. You know, it's going to obviously, it's going to, you know, play out for a while, but, um, I thought I told him this. It's rare to have a guy come in on a one-year deal and have that kind of connection with the fans by the you know, in the middle of the season. It was really special, and he deserves a lot of credit for how hard he plays and the way he played. I think that's what created that. Um, yes, I do think that um, you know the, the 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 contributions he made will have to be replaced. I think that's like you know um, obviously you know, like I said we'd love to bring him back, but. Um, in a world where that's somewhat uncertain, we do have to figure out a way to, to replace that offensively. So that one to me, Dustin had a lot of, a lot of nuggets in there is, is that yes, Cody was great, but, and Bruce Levine is going to ask a question later. I'm not going to play that clip, but, but here's the issue that you have is that for Cody Bellinger and Scott Boris right now, you're going to take your sweet time and see what happens. At the same time, when you're talking about that free agent uh, game of musical chairs, if you're waiting for this guy to make a decision, other teams are going to pick up other players. You do have to find a way that if you lose Cody Bellinger, how are you going to make up for that production that he had offensively? Yeah, I mean, he's a huge bat in the lineup. And we can remember, right, let's look back and, and talk about when he was out of the lineup for an extended period of time and how much the offense struggled 
without him in that lineup. And um, uh, it's going to be really difficult. Now there are people available. There are guys out there. You know, the other thing Crowley is, you know, is it, are the Cubs going to be buyers or are they going to be traders or are they going to be somewhere in between when they try to take care of their needs that they have left? That's also something that we're going to have to keep an eye on as we uh, navigate the, this kind of off season together with everybody that's uh, subscribing and downloading the fly, the W podcast. But uh, listen, Cody Bellinger had a great year, but Jed and Carter are the ones that are going to have to decide. Was it, because he was on a one-year deal, because he was on that prove it, and does he have it in him to do this for five, six, seven, eight years? They don't want to have another Jason Hayward contract on the books, right? So that's going to be that, that's that's the toughest thing is that everyone says sign him. Give I mean, it's him all easy the money for you, you and want. I, right? It's right. easy for you and I to say, hey, sign him, give it to him, whatever. But what are the if it doesn't work out, those are the same people that are going to say bench him, right. and you're so not going to bench him. We're, we're, we're in season twelve. <laughs> right, well, we're in season 12 of the Fly the W670 podcast, and Cody Bellinger's still around. Are we going to like what we're seeing? Hmm. Now, we heard earlier from uh, Tom about how much he loves Kyle Hendricks, and and Jed says all the glowing things about Kyle Hendricks as well. And again, if it's not for Kyle Hendricks, they're not even close to the postseason with the way that pitching rotate the, the, the issues they had with the starting rotation. But I thought it was interesting when asked about Marcus Stroman you didn't see that same kind of, I don't know, feelings as he does obviously after Hendricks. It's not fair because Hendricks has been around, you know, the entire time that Jed Hoyer's been there. But this is essentially what ends up happening, what he said about Marcus Stroman. It said kind of along the lines of the of the question about Hendricks. Um, how would you rate Marcus Stroman's season and what are the expectations going forward with him? Yeah, I mean, certainly a tale of two seasons. You know, he was a an all-star in the first half he was exceptionally good and you know I, you know candidate to start the game at, at that point and then you know really you know kind of post London I think it probably was he, he was kind of really never got a back on track he struggled in July and then obviously he was hurt for August and you know, I give him a lot of credit for working hard and trying to come back but it was, he never quite got back to to where it was and so I think that's the only way to to look at this season was you know he was you know, really uh, crucial for us in the first half. But then, you know, obviously we, we certainly could have used him in the second half, but he was injured and um, unable to help us. And as far as going forward, um, you know, he and his agent have a decision to make. Um, we'll, we'll find out after World Series what that is. But, um, you know, if he chooses to, to come back, certainly um, in the second half of 2022 and the, the first half of this year were exceptionally good. He's a really good pitcher. And um, as we've learned, you can never have enough good pitching. I'm going to well, make nothing, a prediction. Nothing truer has ever been said than that. You can never have enough good pitching. Sorry, Carl. I'm going I'm I'm to make a prediction here, Dustin. I predict that if Marcus Stroman has a good year, regardless of what's happening with the Cubs, my feeling is they're going to try to trade him and let one of the young arms come up, whether it's Ben Brown, whether it's Jordan Wicks again, whether it's somebody else, you know, Kate Horton, whatever. I think they're going to trade him. But right now, you know, Marcus I'd be Stroman, shocked, right? You, you would be shocked if he opted out, right? I mean, I'd be shocked if he true. opt out. Right. So you're talking $21 million, but they can't do anything until he opts in, which he'll do right after the season ends. But, you know, that's just something in their plan. When you talk about $21 million, and then you start looking at, you know, what's going to cost to get Cody Bellinger, you know, you could offset some of that cost if Marcus Stroman doesn't opt in. So that, that'll that all be kind of interesting to do. Now, a couple other, you know, um, you know, again, the David Ross question, this is what uh, Jed had to say on this one here. I spoke highly about how he yeah. kept the team together back in June. This was your first 162-game look at him as a manager with a competitive team. Yeah. How do you kind of assess him as a as an in-game manager? We all know what he can do behind the scenes and, you know, for the group in that way. But what about yeah. what you saw from him on the field? Yeah, um, and I was very pleased with, with Rossi this year. Um the things I mentioned before, you know, coming from, um, you know, being 10 under and, and sort of maintaining not only this, the competitiveness, but also having, you know, never having the team focus on individual stuff. It was always about the team. They, we never lost that. Now, creating that type of culture is incredibly difficult, and he does a fantastic job of that. You know, you, you mentioned the in-game stuff, and obviously, you know, 
Carter and you know Craig Breslow and I are down there every day. We're talking through you know, who's available and, and what situations are going to arise. And you know, I know the the manager in a big market is always going to get criticism. That's part of the the job. You know, Terry Francona just retired and he's going straight to the Hall of Fame. I was with him in Boston for a long time, and you know, there was always questions about what, what he was doing. You know, and he's you know going to be in Cooperstown. Um, that's the nature of it. Um, do we have disagreements and do we have you know, heated conversations? Of, of course we do, but you will with any manager. They have to make so many different decisions. Um, they have so many things to weigh. So um, obviously we you know, work hard all the time to, to give, give him the right information. And if there are things that, that we disagree with or things that we can do better, like he's very open-minded to that. Uh, he's constantly trying to improve. Um, but ultimately, you know, we're very pleased with the job he did this year. And, um, you know, I think that uh, he should be proud of the, the fact that that group kept fighting for him. Hey, Dustin, what do you think they have heated conversations about? Do you think it's bunting? <laughs> well, I know that Jed is not a fan of bunting. Last time I heard him on <laughs> the score, he basically said that he wouldn't throw his uh, manager under the bus. Uh, or his skipper under the bus. That one's for David Hoff. He's listening. David doesn't like the use of uh, skipper. He likes manager. I said, okay, but I like, I like skipper. I'm a little old school. I liked, like your, Bobby, I liked, your, I liked your Bobby Cox story. I thought that was a like great that? story. All right, see, it's yeah. good that you, you listen. You, you're, yeah, you're tell, key, tell you're everybody real quick the Bobby Cox story. I liked it. So back in the day when you used to be able to find guys in hotel rooms, I found Bobby Cox in a hotel room and um, – agreed he agreed to uh he agreed to come on the radio show so no going through anybody just called him up and then i thanked him and i said okay coach give me 30 seconds and I, hey wait what what i go what's wrong what's wrong bobby i'm not a coach i'm the manager click <laughs> that was it. that he wouldn't do it so i learned to either call him skipper or manager baseball coaches are on the bases and in the dugout with the manager or the skipper. It's an insult to call them coach. My love bad that. learning moment. <laughs> I love that this morning. I was laughing in the shower as I'm listening. But, uh, you know, th that's the thing is that this was David Ross's first kind of go at, uh, like they said, uh, you know, his first season was 2020. They made it to the playoffs. But that was a 60-game season. That was a joke. That was Mickey Mouse baseball. He had a real team this time for the first time for 162 Fell a little bit short, but I, I feel like, again, you know, with that hot seat, I think, you know, if things don't go well next year, there's going to be more expectations. And so we'll see what happened. A couple other little things, um, you know, he did bring up, Jed did bring up Saya and how he helped carry that team and how if the Saya that we saw after the benching is the Saya we get all year next year, again, he came in real late last uh, two years ago when he first started. He had the oblique injury this year. You just want this guy to get off to a good start because that what I saw in August and September is what I've been waiting the last two years to see. Oh, that gosh. Was, yeah, if you could get that for like 148 games or something, wow, that would be you're something. Not, you're, you're not going to get that. For, and what, what, what he brought up about, say, uh, Jed, is that you're going to have regression. Nobody's hit 400 since Ted Williams in the 1940s, okay? So you're, you're, you're going to have regression. You weren't going to have Cody Bellinger constantly hitting 400. But the whole thing is if he goes down, who steps up? And and it was Saya that stepped up and kept the Cubs in it as long as they were. Um Another thing I thought was interesting was Dansby Swanson. And you and I both know, Dustin, that when he came here, he was all puffy-chested about wanting to play 162 and doesn't want to be taken out of games. Number one, he's played. prepare that way and basically, basically said, like, if you don't do that, you're weak. But I think that as far as it's concerned, I don't think he's realized he has played a lot of baseball. The amount of games he's played, again, close to 162 the previous two seasons plus postseason baseball. And then you come to Wrigley and you play more day games and you have all those weird day night games. I'm hoping that we see a lot more better use that maybe, you know, we have a better bench this year, but I, there's still, to me, I never understood why you didn't have more times where, you know, when you have, you have those two guys in the middle, you have your shortstop replacement right over there in, in Nico. You could have easily had a couple games where you move Nico over to short and put Chris Morrell at second. Okay. And there were games where you could have given Nico a little rest and put, put Morel at second. And I, I think that I don't, I know that Dansby has a history of being very streaky, but I think that there was a lot of fade at the end of the year. And I think if he, I think 
David Ross has to be the guy that says, look, I love your heart. I love your passion, but I do need you to sit a couple games this year and really kind of use, I, I think he had the best bench pieces to do it this year in Morrell and Nico. I think he should have used that more. Yep, absolutely. And I think that's something that they'll talk about in the offseason to make sure everybody gets on the same page as far as that goes. I got two more clips here and then we're done with, with Morrell here really quick because we're just talking about him. This is what he had to say about Morrell. I thought it was interesting. It's internally that maybe can take a big step forward for you next year. You know, Morrell seems like a guy who's, you know, shown that star potential. You know, how important is it? for him to to find one defensive position. I know you guys talked about that over the course of the season versus the utility role and how much do your offseason decisions and plans yeah. ultimately impact that? Yeah, we're going to keep having conversations about exactly kind of what to have him focus on this winter. Um, but, yeah, I think it's hard. He's never really been able to play every single day at one spot. Um, yeah, I think he can – he's such a good athlete. He's got a great arm. He's got good hands. Like – I think it, it's both on him but also on us to to sort of help him improve as a defender and get to one place because the you know, power is real. You know, he's dangerous. I think we, you know, we didn't have a lot of guys in the lineup that could change the score that quickly. I think our so much of our offense was built around getting on base and, 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 and singles. And, like, you know, we didn't – we were middle of the pack in terms of home runs, but certainly we were not – you know, top, you know, we had a, a number of guys with 20, but we didn't have many guys like him that is, you know, were a threat all the time. And that, and that's, that's real. And, you know, you want that in the lineup. So, um, we need to, you know, work hard on finding, you know, one spot. Um, and we'll be talking about exactly what that spot might be. All right. So you hear that. It, 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 I like the fact that they're talking about Morell and, and trying to find him a permanent spot. Um, I, and, and again, the question is, can he play third base? Well, that's the spot, right? I mean, that, that seems like the only available spot. He's not going to play short. He's not going to play second. First base doesn't make a lot of sense. The one thing we've never seen him do is catch. I mean, he's not going to be in left field. That's where Ian Happ is. Say Suzuki's in right field. I mean, it's center or third, right? It's center or third. It's not going to be center. So you're talking, you got, if you want to play him every day, third base. If you want to use him as a utility guy and you feel that that's the best value, I would look at that as well. Again, I think you needed to give more guys a day off. And if he can play second, short and third, you just need him to be a better defensive third baseman before you can use him as a consistent guy to take that spot. Yep. Absolutely Uh, right. The last one we have here is about PCA. And I just want the fans to hear this one because this is really important. Jed, you didn't get to see Pete Crow Armstrong like you would in a development year. What did you make of what you saw from him at this level? Uh, what do you hope he kind of took from this experience yeah. and how do you kind of view him as your roster building sure. next year? Um, you know, he struggled uh, at the plate when he was here. Um, and I told him this. Um, I sat down with him on Sunday and I told him this. Like, I actually believe that, that that will end up being the single best thing that could happen to him in a lot of ways. Um, you know, he's such an exceptional defender. I think everyone saw that. He's He's going to prevent so many runs defensively. I think as he sort of refines his base running and stolen base, you know, he's going to have such an impact on the bases. Um, he is a good hitter. I think he's, you know, certainly, um, you know, uh, we probably realize that he has to make certain changes um, offensively. And I think realizing that now um, is really key. I think this is the, the, this is the big leagues. This is the, the best league there is. And the pitching is a lot better than it is in, in the minors. And I think seeing that, up close and personal and realizing, okay, there's probably adjustments I have to make. And I told him, I said, Hey, you know, I watched Anthony Rizzo hit 141 over roughly 150 plate appearances in, in, in 2011. And he was a top 10 prospect. He had incredible minor league numbers. He came up to the Padres and I mean, literally at 141, he looked terrible. And we sat him down at the end of the year and, and said like, okay, you, you saw what it's about. You have to go make real changes. And, you know, thankfully, uh, the Padres traded him to here after we after we came here um, because he hit 141. Um, but he showed up in spring training the next year, and he had completely altered his swing. He like he realized there were certain pitches he couldn't get to, and he needed to make those adjustments. And he made those changes. And I think he hit 285 in the next year in, in half a season. There's no way he makes. 
So just on that, again, you did not see what PCA can do. You didn't have a normal developmental year. You threw him in the middle of a wild card chase and you had him coming in against really tough pitchers. That kid is going to make the adjustments because he is hungry. I've heard it from every coach at every level. This guy is the real deal. Again, don't forget Rizzo was awful. That's how the Cubs got him when he came up. You don't you remember Kyle Schwarber getting sent down to the minors? What about Ian Happ? What about Ryan Sandberg going 0 for 35? And those were guys that got to start the year or come in at the middle of the year, not in the last month in a pennant chase. If you want to give up on PCA early, that's your mistake. I'm not going to make that mistake. No, I, I, I wouldn't give up on him. No, I would not give up on him. But uh, he's really going to have to spend a lot of time in the cage, right? And that's exactly what he's going to do. And I think he's, the team is going to be stronger for it. All right. Then what? Bat him ninth and have him in day one in center field, right? If if it doesn't work out with Bellinger, that would ideally be the oh, case. Play Bellinger, Bellinger at first base. Yeah, I would be a hundred percent fine with that. Okay, me too. Me too. That would be that would be really that would be really cool. That 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 is something that uh, that's something that I could boy. I, I think that would be really cool. I, I really do. That uh, that. Uh, Boy, there's so much to talk about, Crowley, in this offseason. I mean, it, it, and it's exciting, right, because the Cubs are this close, this close to playing some October baseball, and, and at least at least playing, I think, in the divisional round. And that's that's what it has to be the hope for you and I, all the listeners of the Fly the W podcast, all the Cubs out there. Well, Crowley, that's a wrap. Don't forget to listen, download, review, subscribe to the Fly the W podcast. Follow us on the socials, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You can email us, flythew670 at gmail.com. You can watch us on YouTube by subscribing to the 670 to score YouTube channel. Have a great weekend, Crowley. We'll get back at it on Monday. We'll uh, get everybody updated on the uh, divisional series and uh, have a good one, okay? Even though they're not playing, we'll have all the news for you always whenever it's breaking. Don't forget to give us those five-star reviews and go Cubs! It's all over.